This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas. So much of what we outlay every month is to just keep a roof over our head. And this week, the B.C. government said it plans to end its freeze on rent hikes beginning December. And beginning in 2021, that would be January, landlords will be able to raise rents by a maximum 1.4%. Considering landlords have expenses as well, this will help them raise revenue to make repairs and maintain safe housing. With kids going back to school, there are a lot of questions, primarily keeping everyone safe from COVID. This week, the province said it will divert $242 million it got from the federal government to the province's 60 school districts and leave each district to decide what to do with the extra money. Depending on the district, it may go toward hiring more teachers and enhancing remote learning, however you cut it. Teachers and parents are worried about self-distancing. If it's any consolation, the province is also providing two reusable masks for each student. There's a small but growing petition calling on the province to make masks mandatory in all public places. Even without that edict, we're doing pretty well when it comes to mask wearing. TransLink said this week a whopping 92% of its customers are now wearing masks. If the long weekend means a ferry ride, mandatory there as well. And a number of big retailers are now requiring masks. IKEA, Whole Foods, Starbucks, to name three biggies. There is hope, however slim, the Vancouver Aquarium, which said this week it will shutter its doors on the 8th of this month, that'll be next week, will come back with a better business model to stem its million-dollar-a-month losses. Despite an outpouring of donations, it's too little too late. Last day for the aquarium this Monday. Tickets are sold out. Starting Tuesday, five more public libraries will reopen, including Mount Pleasant, Carisdale, Marpole, and West Point Gray. You'll be able to in-person book, borrow, and return, but no browsing the stacks. And joined again by one of our favorite people, because it's my favorite topic, and that's real estate, John Carlson, johnnysmartpoint.com. John Carlson of 2% Realty. How are you doing, John? Hey, great to be here again. Thanks, Manny, and I'm doing, I'm doing really well. Well, I know you weren't scheduled to uh, join us on Vancouver Consumer for another couple of weeks, but, you know, the market has been uh, really boiling lately, so we thought we'd better have you back on to explain what the heck is going on uh, since the pandemic hit, I know you mentioned that May, June, July, uh, looking really good in terms of sales. August uh, August appears to be pretty good, but there might be a little bit of a blip as we near the end of the month. Well, um, traditionally, August is a month that, you know, sags a little bit in uh, greater Vancouver and Fraser Valley markets. And a lot of that, I think, has to do with the fact that we all starve for sunshine all year long, and then finally when we get our holidays, you know, maybe we don't want to be thinking about business or, or real estate. So um, I found, again, back in July, the stats were really fantastic. They were very encouraging. Um, a lot of people re-entering the market, whether they're buying or selling. So the numbers kind of picked up to their 10-year averages, where we were way below prior to that with the COVID situation. Uh, and so that was really encouraging. August also started off pretty strong, but I found that you know, I, I still have home selling and the market is fine, but it seemed to be, you know, as, as August worked on, I found the number of showings and the listing appointments tended to drop a little bit. And uh, again, I think that is pretty typical for this time of year, given the summer. 
but there's also the thought that perhaps the reason that July was such a strong month is that there was the pent-up demand from those people who may have acted in March or April or May, but of course were turned off by the COVID situation. So it remains to be seen. Uh, September, generally the Labor Day weekend is kind of the kickoff for the fall market. And in, in these parts, the spring market and the fall market tend to be traditionally uh, the busiest times. And I'm anticipating uh, a balanced but yet good strong market in September. John Carlson, 2% Realty, johnnysmartpoint.com. John's direct number is 604-612-0080. There was a client of yours that we really wanted to talk to because it, I think, emphasizes how quick uh, you can sell a home now and how quick you need to buy a home. And uh, Daryl and uh, his wife, Christy, sought you out. Uh, John, they were looking to sell their home. They hadn't dealt with a realtor for over 14 years. And we're going to talk a little bit later on Vancouver Consumer with you, John, about how do you choose the right realtor. Well, thankfully for Daryl and his wife, Christy, uh, they chose John Carlson. We thought we'd invite Daryl on with us uh, this afternoon. Daryl, welcome to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. How did you initially get a hold of John? Uh, I got a hold of John. I basically was just uh, doing my research online. Um, You know, the wife and I were trying to decide which realtor to go with. And, um, you know, we were looking for someone with with good experience, past results, good reputation, that type of thing. And just sort of happened upon him. And he got, I saw lots of positive, you know, reviews, positive feedback. And uh, we just decided to uh, go with him. You wanted a valuation on your home, I understand. Yeah, correct. We we uh, it was actually quite amazing. We um, never laid eyes on him. He never knew we existed. So we we called him up and we arranged to have him over for sort of an interview and an evaluation of our of our home. And um, so and and I had every intention on interviewing several realtors. And, um, but John was the first one. So he, he, he came in and we, we had an interview and he, of course we did the, the walkthrough and, and sort of evaluation. He told us what sort of he thought we could, we should list for. And, uh, but of course he put no pressure on us to, you know, to use what he said. Uh, he just sort of gave us his, his, uh, you know, thoughts on that. And we, we, 48 hours later, the house was listed and sold. Oh boy! Wow! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was it was unbelievable. Uh, I mean, now obviously those results probably aren't typical, but uh, yeah, it, we went two days from never even meeting them to the house fully sold. And uh, in terms of uh, price, you were happy with what you got. Obviously, you accepted the offer. You know, it's it's funny. Like um, we, you know, the, the the wife and I, we sort of had a, a number in our in our minds before John even came over, and when he gave his um, you know evaluation of what he thought, it was it was quite higher than what we ever dreamed of. So we we actually ended up listing lower than what even John said to do. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, like I said, sold immediately, one day, one day on the market. Well, now the nerves are a little rattled. You've sold your house in uh, 48 <laughs> hours, and uh, you've got to find another place to live, and John helped you with that. Oh, yeah. So, so we, we listed it, like I said, we, we thought it was 
going to be listed higher than than you know we we probably should have so we we thought we were buying ourselves some time to start go looking around and yeah when it sold so fast uh it was it was a stressful time uh you know we had to go look around quite fast but boy john was was so wonderful he he gave us he knew sort of the the pressure we were in and he gave us all of his time, uh, and we went and viewed a whole bunch of homes and uh, finally pulled the trigger. Well, tell us about your newly constructed home in Maple Ridge that John found for you. Oh, geez. Uh, it's an absolute dream house um, in Maple Ridge. It's like 4,500 square feet, seven bedrooms, uh, a three-bedroom legal basement suite. Uh, we, we never dreamed we would, we, this wasn't even on our radar to get something as as uh beautiful as this but he he found us this house and and it was yeah it's a new build it was sort of half built at the time and you know compared to what we would we would have got maybe in other cities like langley or whatever um this was just the best by far the best value now i take it you and your wife didn't move in with john in the interim until it was finished no, we're, we're actually not even. We, we haven't moved in yet. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. it's not. It's not till October. But I, I told John if it's not finished, you're gonna, you're gonna, we're gonna bring our sleeping bags to your house. Yeah, to have a couple of house <laughs> unwanted house guests. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> well, tell us about the process. Obviously, you were pleased the fast turnaround and uh, finding that, as you said, uh, dream home. Tell us about the whole process and uh, John's uh, real estate manner. Yeah, so the, the whole pro, like we we had we we haven't moved for like fourteen years, so uh, it's been it's been quite a while. But our and our move fourteen years ago was actually not a not a not a pleasant one. We had a kind of a bad experience, and so we went into this a little bit gun shy and remembering those those bad experiences. But um, you know, John, he he's just so amazing that he doesn't like he doesn't try to impose his his views or criticism he will he will insert you know when we go view a house or something he will insert his thoughts or whatever but he never you know he never tries to impose you know hey you should do this you should do that he just simply tells us what's there what's available here's the pros here's the cons and completely lets us uh, you know decide for ourselves what what course of action we should take. Just, and that's really important to me because I kind of had the other way uh, last time around. Um, you know, he just, he's someone who just had all of our best interests at the forefront. You know, he, he never, like I said, he never tried to, to hijack the, the whole process. It was all, it was always, we were the ones in, in control and, and we really felt good about that. And of course that uh, commission structure, that's an added bonus benefit. It, it, it sure is, and I mean, that's the the great thing about John's philosophy is, you know, he he admits that, you know, look, it's it's the year twenty twenty, and and you know, everyone's on the internet, and and you know, the the I'm not trying to uh, I'm not trying to to belittle how much work they they actually do, and they do a lot of work, but I mean, let's face it, you know, clients typically go on you know go online and look up houses themselves and tell agents. Uh, you know what what homes they'd like to look at, et cetera, et cetera, and um, you know it, it's I, I just my own personal belief and my wife is you know you don't have to pay that you know twenty five thousand dollar commission or whatever it is with the full 
with the full commission, it's, it's not needed. I mean, we sold our house in one day and we bought a home pretty quickly after that. And, and the commission was not even a factor in, in either way. So, um, yeah, it was, it was just a great process. Well, John Carlson of 2% Realty, when I hear a client of yours say that he and his wife uh, found their dream home, uh, that to me says it all about your service. Well, yeah, and, uh, you know, I, hearing this for the first time, you know, thank you very much, Daryl and Christy. Working with them is, was awesome, um, and it, it does feel good to hear these kind of things. i I got to be honest, it feels really good. Um, but that, that really is the goal, and I think that's the goal of any agent, really, is to provide a good level of service that accomplishes the goal of the client in such a way that they're happy enough to to tell other people about it and continue, um, you know, continue that going on. So um, I'm, I'm always wide open for any listeners out there who might want to take part in a process like this as well, and they can call me as well. And I just want to say thanks, Daryl, for a fantastic, um, uh, you know, fantastic testimonial. Uh, we're not done yet. We're still waiting for the house to be done in October, but everything's on pace. And, uh, you know, I know, I'm sure I'll be in touch with you again soon, Daryl. Well, if it isn't ready and they do move to your place, make sure the pillows are fluffed. Oh, yeah. The sheets yeah. are clean. Mint on the pillows every morning, guaranteed. (laughs) And the fridge is full. That's right. (laughs) Well, we want you to consider uh, John Carlson of 2% Realty if you're considering buying or selling. We're, as John points out, headed towards another busy, traditionally busy selling season after the Labor Day weekend. John's direct number, 604-612-0080, or uh, you can go online and uh, check out uh, his commission structure and many other things. JohnnySmartPoint.com, JohnnySmartPoint.com. One of the things that Daryl also mentioned that I think it's critical when you're enlisting the services of a real estate agent, uh, John, and that is uh, no pressure tactics. Right. You know, I was I was really uh, enjoying that because uh, that is my philosophy. I think, you know, when, when people are looking to choose an agent, I think one of the very first things you want to consider is the the relationship that you have with that agent and the representation that uh, that agent uh, is providing to you. Because, you know, the agency relationship says that a realtor, uh, a real estate agent, uh, represents the interest of the client as if they were his or her own. Those are the interests. My interests are the client's interests. They're not the commission that might be payable at the end of the deal. They're not any other side issues. They're the interest of the client. So, uh, you know, I really enjoyed, uh, and thank you, Daryl, for, for putting it out there, that uh, that I was not a decision maker. I'm an advisor. Um, I put whatever expertise I have, uh, you know, to the client, and I give them the best advice I possibly can. And in the end, try to paint, a, uh, you know, the picture of some different options so that the client can make an informed choice. I think Daryl mentioned he hadn't, you know, had a realtor um, work for him in maybe 14 years, and maybe the last time it wasn't a very good experience. So um, I'm very glad, Daryl, that you mentioned that. Thanks a lot, because. Uh, you know, my philosophy is is basically the the core of the agency relationship. When I work for someone, I owe them the duties of loyalty. I work for them and them alone in a particular transaction. Uh, confidentiality, whatever we discuss and their motivations and whatever their top or bottom lines financially might be, those are confidential between us and no one else. And then full disclosure of everything an agent knows is the other duty that owed to a client. So uh, if you're picking an agent, the first thing to think about is the agency relationship 
and how that client, uh, I'm sorry, how that agent will, will represent you as a client. So again, very happy to get that good review. Well, it's critical to get the process rolling on the right track. There are so many myths about real estate agents. Uh, should I hire an agent who is not too busy for me? If that is your definition of a good agent, uh, we're going to dispel a couple of myths when we come back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas, joined this hour by John Carlson of 2% Realty, continuing our convo with John Carlson of 2% Realty, johnnysmartpoint.com, johnnysmartpoint.com. John's direct number, 612-0080, 612-0080. Throw a 604 in front of that. Uh, John, we were speaking in the first segment uh, with a client of yours, uh, Daryl and wife Christy. Boy, were they pleased with the service you provided. But I got to a thinking uh, when I was talking to Daryl, you know, some of the myths about real estate agents, I, can, I think, are completely unfounded. Uh, one is that you should always choose an agent uh, that is not too busy. And I think to myself, I want an agent who's busy because that agent has seen every square footage in the neighborhood I'm looking in. This is a skill. And you brought that uh, to Daryl and Christie's uh, situation pronto. Yeah, you know, and I think there's truth in that. I, I wouldn't want to work with any professional, um, whether it be a doctor or a lawyer who is too busy, because then I wouldn't get the attention that I need. And, and I get that. And quite frankly, there have been times in the past, I seem to remember, you know, the heyday of the market where uh, a couple people called me and I had to simply maybe refer them to someone else because I couldn't take it on. That's rare. That's unusual. Um, but on the other hand, uh, you do want an agent who, I think anyway, you want an agent who is busy, who's got his or her finger on the pulse of the market in your area, who knows, uh, you know, what is happening in your segment. And uh, I think, you know, experience, recent experience is, is the, one of the crucial things you want to look for in an agent. For instance, with, with Daryl and Christy, I think Daryl mentioned that originally he was thinking a number much lower than we ended up listing the property for. And uh, I happen to know because I had a, a, a house right around the corner that was similar to this one that had sold and during the time we had an offer on that other home and the time the conditions came off, I'd had, a, I'd had calls from a number of agents kind of saying, hey, John, let me know if this deal falls apart because my people are looking for something a lot like this. So simply because I happened to already be busy in the area, uh, when I met Daryl and Christy, I informed them. Again, here's the, the duty of uh, full disclosure. I said, you know, the one I had around the corner, there are four or five people calling me about that one. So we're probably going to want to put your price up a little bit higher uh, given that there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of inventory. And then uh, I think Daryl mentioned that, uh, you know, we had an offer within about 48 hours. As it turned out, a very clean offer at overlist price came in right away. And I think that showed the urgency of this particular buyer at the time. And, uh, you know, we had a discussion. I suggested, hey, you, you could accept this offer uh, or we could wait a little bit longer and see if we could maybe get a better offer or a multiple offer situation. Um, and I gave them all the details. And in the end, I think that Daryl and Christie made the right decision because there was no guarantee that they would get an offer even higher over list price than the one that was already there. And uh, the other thing uh, is that this offer gave them the time to go out and looking for a home. Usually it comes down to the money, but it's also the timing. And as Daryl mentioned, they didn't know where they were going. And uh, the offer that came in uh, for them had a buyer that was willing to be flexible and put the dates into October. And if necessary, move those dates quicker if we found a house sooner. So I think when it came to the price, the, the, the fact that the offer was clean and uh, the dates were flexible, you know, 
I think they made a good choice, and I was happy to be part of that. Well, that goes to your negotiating skills to be able to make those dates work. Uh, you know, uh, from the time it was sold to October, a number of months. So uh, there had to be some pretty heavy negotiation uh, going on in that respect. Uh, multitasking, you must have been doing that because you knew this house would probably sell. You had a listing around the corner that was in demand. So in this particular case, uh, this house looked like it was probably going to go at some point quickly. And that would force the issue of, gee, i got to get them another house. That's right. And again, uh Money and timing are the two big ones that, that really you're, you're looking for uh, putting together in a good way for a client. And I find right now the detached housing section uh, segment of the market, in the affordable segments particularly, is pretty hot. Uh, detached housing has come back in a big way. Perhaps, you know, COVID situation and working from home is playing into that. I, I, you know, to some degree, I'm sure it is. But I find right now the challenge for people sometimes is, you know, they want to maybe look for a house first. And if they're in a, a segment that has a lot of potential buyers, in other words, it's an affordable segment, oftentimes we'll, at the very beginning of the process, we'll go out and we'll look at a home and they'll say, okay, let's write a subject to sale offer on this place. And then the next day the agent calls me and says, hey, John, just so you know, we've got an offer coming in today and it's not subject to sale, or maybe we have two offers coming in. And you know, my clients will kind of kind of learn that, hey, wait a minute, you know, maybe the subject to sale route is a tough one to go. Maybe we'll get our hearts broken. Maybe we won't be able to actually go from A to B. So there's a bit of a leap of faith sometimes. And I, I try to be very, very uh, gentle and cautious with this because it, it it is unnerving to think that, okay, we're going to sell our house and three months down the road, people are moving in and we don't know where we're going yet. So oftentimes what I propose to to clients like this who maybe don't have a landing place yet and they're we know that their house is probably if it's listed properly is probably going to sell reasonably quickly or in a reasonable period of time we want to go out and stir that other pot in other words we want to go out and look at properties that they might be interested in knowing darn well that other offers may come on those and we might not be quite ready to purchase them but at least we get a, a comfort level that you know, maybe Daryl and Christy or another couple could look at each other and say, hey, you know, maybe we're not going to get this house. We just saw it and somebody else bought it. But at least we know with a level of comfort that houses like the ones we're looking for in our price range are out there. And once they got that comfort, generally speaking, you can list the property, take offers on the home they're in. And then, as Daryl mentioned, I have to be available for these people to go out and explore every avenue of the market so they can have a, a place to be and they're not homeless. So again, the money's important, the timing's important, putting them together is important, and I think that's where an experienced, competent agent with a good skill set uh, really comes in handy. John Carlson of 2% Realty joining us on this edition of Vancouver Consumer at CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas, johnnysmartpoint.com, johnnysmartpoint.com. John Carlson's direct number, 604-612-0080. My mother, who was a fairly astute uh, real estate investor, John, always told me, Manny, when you're looking for a house and you think you found your dream home, but somebody else buys it from under your feet, don't worry about it. The next dream home you look at is just around the corner. There's some wisdom in that. Oftentimes we have uh, a defined version of what a dream home is. And then we get an, an experienced real estate agent like yourself. Hey, have you thought about this? And all of a sudden, the paradigm shifts about what you think you want to actually what you want. And there are so many options now. 
Let's look at what is on the market for people. Uh, John, I was looking at some figures, and I know you're familiar with the Fraser Valley real estate market. Um, Things are really booming. Does that mean that our choices are slimming? Well, it it depends on uh, the segment of the market, of course, and the supply versus demand ratios are are always changing. Uh, You may have heard the the phrase, a buyer's market. It's a buyer's market out there. Well, that would indicate that the supply is pretty strong compared to the demand, and buyers can be choosy, whereas a seller's market, the other way around, demand is strong and and, uh, supply is somewhat limited. So you have to know what you're operating in. But but yes, you know, it's... um, it's always part of the process to make sure, first of all, if you're going to sell and buy and coordinate the two together, you need to make sure you've got a good understanding of what your house will likely sell for. You want to be realistic there. Otherwise, you're probably wasting your time. But you also need to make sure that you know that there will be a comfortable spot for you to land. Because quite frankly, when people originally first get into the market, they can be a little disheartened in a market like this where there's not a lot of inventory. Uh, because you know we we go out and and maybe a client is looking in a certain area in a certain price range, and we go over some listings and I set them up for notifications or they're on MLS or whatever it might be, and they'll pick five or six listings and they'll say, hey John, these look great. Well, I call the agents, two of them are sold, maybe one or two has an accepted offer, and they go, oh man, there's nothing out there. To which I usually respond, depending on the situation, uh, hey, you know when we start on day one, we're just Again, at day one, some of these homes have been on the market a week or two weeks, and people that are ahead of us in the process have jumped on them. The house that you are likely to buy might not even be listed yet. So, again, you want to make sure that there are properties that will satisfy you on the uh, on your landing spot wherever you're going before you can before you commit to selling your home. But I think uh, buyers need to understand that on day one of the market, you're already a little bit behind, and other buyers have already seen a lot of these homes. And once the new listing inventory continues to replenish, and that's typically uh, what happens in the September market, people are done this summer, the weather's good, they put their house on the market. We're generally looking at homes that are about to hit the market when we're first day on the market. Well, to illustrate my point that, uh, and I think uh, Daryl, um, you know, really does uh, explain it better than I did. He didn't expect to buy a 4,507 bedroom home. Uh, you know, I'm sure he had something a little less, but he opened up and said, you know what? Uh, Carlson brought us a pretty nice looking property here. So he went out his, he went outside his comfort level. That, that's my point that I don't think as grown adults that we should limit ourselves to what we think we want until we see everything that's out there. That's a good point. And some people know exactly what they want. And, and my job is not to try to sway them. Uh, it certainly wasn't the case that with Daryl that they were looking for a little tiny bungalow and I upsell them into a mansion. I mean, that, that's not the case. But given their budget and where they wanted to be and the fact that they wanted a suite for their family, for their you know daughter and son-in-law and that sort of thing, uh, my part of my job was to turn over all the rocks and just expose some of the options to them. And uh, I don't think they had considered the idea of, of uh, going with a new build uh, because that can be a little bit scary. You know, with a new build, you can't see everything there because it's sometimes the foundation and framing. Uh, and in that case, again, you're really, uh, you know, it, it, you're dealing with the contract. You live and die by the contract in all instances, but especially on a new construction where it has to be written out what's to be performed. So that was a bit of a process for them. They they loved the brand new house. We looked at it a few times and they turned away from it and they went to look at other options, but nothing was quite as good. And 
in the end, they came back to that new construction, and the nice thing was they had the kitchen done exactly the way they wanted it, the media room downstairs, and you know, within the budget that they were looking at, I think they got a little bit more than they expected, and uh, I can tell they're pretty happy about their new place. All thanks to John Carlson of 2% Realty. 612-0080 is John's direct number in the couple of minutes we've got left. Uh, John, I was looking at some figures that uh, suggest the condo market is softening. In your opinion, uh, is that a move away to, uh, as you point out, uh, detached homes, a little more privacy, away from any sort of scary COVID stuff in elevators and such? Uh, but it does indicate something, that we're, we're looking for something else other than to be in a 30-story high-rise condo. I think that there is some of that out there. It's really hard to quantify exactly the reasoning, you know, behind why certain segments raise and certain segments may may diminish a little bit in terms of popularity. Um, but again, the COVID situation and avoiding elevators and common spaces, I'm sure, plays a part in some people's decision making. Um, you know, uh, the condo market has been really strong. Prices haven't gone up in Greater Vancouver and the Fraser Valley. Condos are affordable, but now suddenly we have insurance crisis uh, and some buildings that are the cost to maintain them and keep them insured is, is going way up. And that's, you know, causing some people some concern about, hey, here's my maintenance fee today, but what's it going to be in November when my insurance policy is renewed? Um, you know, I, I was involved in one situation recently where we saw a building that you know, the maintenance fee went up from $350 to over $700 because of the insurance policy. So people, that's rare, but people are somewhat concerned about those sorts of things. And uh, there's lots of condos out there. They're not going out of style. People are still buying them and selling them. But the condo market ate up a bigger and bigger and bigger piece of the pie over the last decade. And now it would seem that to some degree, and, and not a large degree at this point, but to some degree, uh, the condominium buyers seem to have backed off just a, a little bit. So I guess it remains to be seen, but condos are still a very affordable and attractive option to a lot of people. And I would suggest if you're looking to buy or sell a condo, again, a good agent who knows the area and knows the ins and outs of the insurance um, aspect of it and that kind of thing will be able to give you some good advice. Always a pleasure to speak with John Carlson of 2% Realty. Uh, as John pointed out uh, earlier on in this hour, uh, September always uh, traditionally has been a busy month. So if you're looking to buy or sell, uh, get a hold of John as soon as possible. 604-612-0080, John Carlson, 2% Realty. Website, johnnysmartpoint.com, johnnysmartpoint.com. You are listening to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas. Back in a moment. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas. Time again for another edition of Ask Andrew. Andrew Ferreira, executive producer, Vancouver Consumer. Been following uh, SkyTrain extension and all the plans. Does that mean more construction chaos, Andrew? Who doesn't love construction chaos? Am I right? Uh, as somebody who grew up along the Canby Corridor when they were building the Canada Line, um, I am very used to construction chaos. Uh, but that shouldn't be as big of a problem as we get underway with the Broadway subway extension of the uh, Millennium Line uh, that was announced on a Thursday. Um, uh, Premier John Horgan made the announcement that you know shovels are going to be in the ground this fall, essentially. And the line will be scheduled to open in 2025 if all goes according to timeline, which sometimes these things don't happen and sometimes they do. Uh, of course, we all hope that they do. Um, it's kind of long awaited. This has kind of been on the cards for years and years now. 
uh, I believe, uh, I want to say 2014, uh, the government put out a, a referendum, I think it was to hike the PST to fund the Broadway extension that was voted down uh, at the time. And so now that we've come forward a little bit more time, there's more money on the table, there's a greater business incentive to do it. Uh, this will be done by 2025 is is what we're being told. Um, and I personally think this is well overdue. Broadway is ostensibly the downtown corridor in Vancouver now. And trying to navigate what is right now and has been for quite a while, the busiest bus route in all of North America, which is the 99B line. Um, Broadway is no longer, in my opinion, really built for what is being put down it. Uh, you see bus overcrowding, you see insane traffic, uh, street parking where there shouldn't be street parking. Uh, you see, you know, all these medical towers, offices, institutions, businesses. There are hundreds of millions of dollars in economic activity that lie along that Broadway corridor. And the fact that we don't already have an extension there kind of boggles my mind. But enough of my, you know, proselytizing about the goods of, uh, of, of public transit. Uh, this is going to come in at a completed cost of hopefully $2.83 billion. Uh, the provincial government is throwing $1.8 billion into it, the federal government $888 million, and the city of Vancouver itself $100 million uh, to throw it on there. The, uh, the number of jobs along this corridor is 85,000. Oh, wow. Really? That's a lot Whoa. of jobs. And so this kind of thing is going to be all kinds of wonderful for you know what Vancouver, I think, in its mind wants to be. This easy to get around utopia of you don't need to own a car. You can just kind of do what you want and you'll get there and it won't be a pain in the butt and it won't be difficult and you will enjoy it. So I think this is, you know, this is one step uh, after this extension to Arbutus. Uh, the next thing in the cards is the Surrey expansion of the uh, Expo line. And that's still kind of up in the air. We don't know if they're going to go only to Fleetwood or if they're going to go all the way to Langley City Center. We don't know yet. Uh, and then after that, the next kind of step forward is likely going to be extending this Broadway line all the way across to UBC, um, where earlier this year, actually, uh, the city of Vancouver, uh, UBC, which if you didn't know, fun fact, you can use this at your uh, at the next whenever the next water cooler party is going to be. <laughs> uh, UBC isn't technically a uh, uh, is technically not part of Vancouver. It's its own incorporated pseudo municipality of sorts. So it's got its own little governance structure. Anyway, you can look that up if you want. Uh, but UBC, uh, the city of Vancouver and the Musqueam, Squamish and Tsleil-Waututh Development Corporation, the folks who own the Jericho lands, have all reached an agreement to support that extension to UBC. So there's plenty of support there. So those are the kind of the next three big train systems that may be coming here to Metro Vancouver. Well, all great cities around the world have great transportation systems. Uh, my only fear with some of these systems is they, they will take away from some of the natural beauty that we've mm -hmm, got. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, hopefully the planners of these particular huge mega projects will take that in mind that, you know, let's not sacrifice our natural beauty, which we are known worldwide for and millions of tourists up until recently have come to visit, uh, that we somehow scar that landscape with a mega construction project. So hopefully that won't be the case. Andrew Ferreira, executive producer of Vancouver Consumer, with another edition of Ask Andrew. You have been listening to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas. We'll see you next time. 
The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.